even when you're doing the job, it's very connections based and it is, you know, kind of a small industry. And so when an entry level job opens up, it's very competitive. So I had heard, you know, a major publisher opened up an editorial assistant position as I was applying and someone told me they opened it up and it was, I think they got like 200 applications within like the first few days. So every person that you know can help bump your application to kind of the top of the pile. They can at least get your foot in the door and then after that it's on you, like no one can guarantee you the spot, but if you can prepare yourself and get your foot in the door, then you know that could be your ticket to the job. From the cubicle to the lab, the studio to the war room, climbing the corporate ladder or joining a scrappy startup, experience a day in the life of the jobs you want. This is the Experience a Day in the Life podcast. We interview professionals, entrepreneurs, and recent grads about what a day is actually like on the job, hour by hour, or as we like to call it, they're a diddle, spelled A-D-I-T-L, which stands for a day in the life. This podcast will inspire you to gain experience beyond the classroom and launch a career of your own. We're your hosts, Chris DeBeau and Matt Poe. Welcome to part two in the two-part Publish Your Passion series. In part one, we went through hour by hour a day in Amanda Shee's life as an associate editor at Scholastic. In this episode, we'll take you through Amanda's career journey so you know what skills and experience are necessary to land a job as an associate editor. Amanda's career journey is a testament to the importance of experience. She had multiple editorial internships and extracurriculars to set herself up for success after graduation. Let's learn how she did it so you can too. Amanda attended NYU and studied English and American literature with a focus on media culture and communication. She ended up not pursuing journalism as originally planned. Again, I was a huge nerd, so I did a bunch of reading before I started at NYU, and a lot of the advice I'd seen was that journalism programs were not necessarily getting people prepared for what journalism was becoming, because this was really at the cusp of like the big like push into digital media. So I was like, well, I know that like I'm interested in literature, so I'll just study English literature and then minor in media culture communications, it seems like it would give me the right basis. So with your major and areas of study that you focus on, is it normal to transition into a career of publishing? And was that your intent at the time? Yeah, it is pretty normal, I think, to move into publishing from from an English major, definitely. And initially, that was not my intent. I think I was still kind of in the space of wanting to do something journalism-based. And when I started at NYU, actually, I joined the student newspaper right away, the Washington Square News. It's a daily physical newspaper. And I joined the copy editing desk. And also it was just a copy editor, fact checker. I ended up staying there for, you know, three or so years. But through that experience, I think I kind of realized that journalism wasn't quite the kind of editing or writing that I wanted to be doing. For me, there was a little too much structure to it, especially the editorial is much more fact-checking, copy-editing based, so like grammar and facts, which obviously very important for for a <laughs> news source um, and important for nonfiction, but it's not necessarily the kind of editing that I wanted to be doing. What transferable skills specifically did you learn in this role that you kind of keep with you today? I think the biggest thing is probably like just being able to roll with the punches um, because and multitasking is a huge thing because, you know, you, you can't 
control other people as much as you would like to. Um, you know, you have your plan and then, you know, something happens or someone is not able to do something on time. And I think, you know, the attention to detail required is so key for what I do now because people love to like point out when they find an error in a book or something. But we have caught so many other things before that. And so part of that process is, you know, me going over a manuscript multiple times and and someone else is doing that. And I think also that whole experience helped me learn to like work within the ecosystem of a team where again, so many, so many people's hands touch a book before it hits a shelf. And you know, you all need to kind of work together and work around each other and make sure you're giving each other what you need. Before we get into, cause you were all over the <laughs> publishing industry yes. in undergrad. So you got a really strong comprehension and you're obviously an expert now, but what was your expectations of the industry starting out and how has that changed throughout your experience, especially in undergrad? Yeah, I think starting out, I had a very basic view of what publishing is because I think, you know, in in pop culture in general, it's hard to find like information about what day-to-day publishing is actually like. So I, I went in not really knowing what to expect. And I think I went in with the same like grandiose ideas that everyone who really wants to go into publishing does. So you go in thinking, you know, I'm going to work on the great American novel, like I'm going to only work on fiction. And it's, you know, all of my books are going to be like award-winning, like New York Times, best-selling, published like the next like Zadie Smith or whatever. And then, you know, I got in and I realized like how much other work is involved in making a book besides just like editing it and how many different kinds of publishing there are. And, you know, all of them are equally valid. And yeah, it just it's a much wider world than I even realized. Her first internship in the industry was with Perigee, which is an adult nonfiction imprint of the publishing house Penguin Group. This was before Penguin Group joined Random House. Editorial internships usually go something like this. So every editor gets submissions from agents. Sometimes we'll get what we call unsolicited submissions, which are basically like someone will cold email us without an agent and send their project to us. And so you read through those submissions and often what editors will have interns do is write a reader's report. So you kind of like give a short summary and then your thoughts on whether you like it just as a read or once you get like a little bit more familiar, you can give feedback on like, do you think, like, how do you think this will do in the market? Like, are people going to buy this? So there's a lot of that. There's just some like general admin, like there's so much paperwork involved in publishing (laughs) that I think people don't realize because... It is in some ways still a very old school industry. And so, you know, you need to fill out paperwork to like transmit a manuscript to go to production for copy editing. And, you know, you need to prep for art meetings when you talk about covers. And there's, you know, paperwork and prep involved in all of that. Or when we're getting ready to pitch a book to the sales team, you know, you have to research what we call comps, so competitive books that are already on the market or about to come out as a way of saying, like, this is similar and either, like, look, there's interest in it or look, it's done really well or actually there's kind of a hole where this, like, you know, no one's done this before. Wouldn't it be great if we could put... So there's a lot of research that goes into that and sometimes interns will do that kind of research. I got very lucky at Perigee in that they were a smaller imprint so they could use all the help they could get, really. And so one of the editors had me, like, reading manuscripts alongside her a little bit that she had already acquired. 
what was that motivation? I guess what was going through your head that kind of triggered you to say, all right, I need to get as much experience as possible. I need to get all these internships. Yeah. Part of it was I am like a very type A overachiever um, and <laughs> all of my friends were doing all these very cool internships. Like they were interning at like CNN or the New York Times or, you know, GQ. And I was like, oh, I want to do something cool. <laughs> um, so part of it was that. And then at Penguin, they had at the time, I don't know if they still do, they have a really great internship program where uh, at the end of your internship, you could have a kind of like an exit interview with an HR person. So I met up with them and we talked about like what was a great, what was the right path if this is what I wanted to do after I graduated. And basically they said, just keep interning because that's going to get you experience and that's going to get you connections that can help you get a job when you graduate. So I really took that to heart and did like six. Even when you're doing the job, it's very connections based and it is you know, kind of a small industry. And so when an entry-level job opens up, it's very competitive. So I had heard, you know, a major publisher opened up an editorial assistant position as I was applying. And someone told me they opened it up and it was, I think they got like 200 applications within like the first few days. So every person that you know can help bump your application to kind of the top of the pile. They can at least get your foot in the door. And then after that, it's on you. Like no one can guarantee you the spot. But if you can prepare yourself and get your foot in the door, then, you know, that could be your ticket to the job. And, you know, everyone in publishing, you know, they're are all these different networking events. You just meet people at like conferences or just out and about. So people know each other. So if you intern somewhere and you did a good job and you're looking for a job, then people can ask around at different companies. So you're getting your name in someone's head is super, super helpful. That internship at Perigee opened a lot of doors going forward for Amanda, including an internship at Grove Atlantic, which is a mid-sized publisher. She enjoyed her time there and learned a lot, but one thing she also learned was that mid-sized publishers were not where she would thrive the most. I think it was just kind of everyone, like, it's like I was saying before, like at a smaller place, like everyone's doing everything. And I think I went, especially starting out, I wanted to do something that was like, you have kind of like a bigger team structure to take care of other stuff so that you don't have to do everything necessarily. At the same time, that's a great way to learn. So there are good and bad things, but I think for me, it's just not where I did my best work necessarily. And then you went over to the agency side. Yes. What was your motivation for kind of wanting to go see that side of the business? So I basically what I lucked out in doing all these internships is I was able to experiment with different kinds of publishing before like settling on what I really enjoyed doing. So I was just trying to understand the industry better. I figured I had done these editorial internships. I kind of got us had a sense of how that worked. So why not see what agenting is like? And yeah, so for for an editorial intern at an agency, really what you're doing is you're doing kind of like similar things to what you'd be doing at a publisher, but the work itself is slightly different in that you're reading things at an earlier stage. It is a lot more work than I had realized. And I think I didn't really even know how much work was involved going in, but agents are, they're the ones who are seeking out writers from the get-go. So they are sifting through, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people who are emailing them their, their books and, you know, searching the internet for, you know, a great story that can become something else or maybe a writer who's just like been published in a couple of literary magazines but hasn't written a book yet. So they are constantly searching for 
the right project for them. So it's just such an involved, like, 24-7 kind of job, because also once you sign authors as clients, you're their first editorial advisor, you're a business advisor, you're kind of like a therapist, because it's very stressful to write and publish a book. If an editor is finding a diamond in the rough, I think agents are finding even rougher diamonds sometimes <laughs> and polishing them into something fantastic. It's really important to learn different perspectives of any industry. Amanda then interned at Pocket Gallery, an imprint of Simon & Schuster. She told us it was similar to her last few internships, but a very different subject matter. And so that was like a whole new area for me to be focusing on because I had done literary, I had done nonfiction, and then this was something I'd never seen before. It was a bigger team than I had worked on previously, so it was interesting to see how that functioned also and, you know, how you handle a sci-fi author versus like you have Stanley Tucci coming into the office to talk about his cookbook, like what are those interactions like and, you know, things like that. Made your break into Scholastic for the first time. Yes. Right? So uh, how how'd you get that job? Um, I think how did I? I think I just kind of found it and applied. Okay. <laughs> so I worked in their production department, and that was again like me trying to find a different area of publishing to get familiar with. And so what they do again is what is called managing editorial in a lot of other companies. And as an intern, what I was mostly focused on was proofreading and doing some like light fact checking type of stuff. So a book goes through so many different reads throughout the process. So a lot of what I was doing was either proofreading something and making sure like the grammar was correct, the layout on the page looked correct, like Pictures were showing up where they're supposed to, um, like captions made sense and things like that. Or sometimes you get something that's been through a proofread before, so you get the corrected version. You want to go through and make sure all those corrections were actually made. Her last internship before graduation was with Dutton Adult, which was an imprint of Penguin Random House. There, her supervisor made sure she was working on projects she hadn't done before at her previous internships. So she would have me, like, do a first edit on a manuscript and she would give me notes on that or like we would talk about like what my notes look like and you know what she would have done and how she does things. I was lucky in that I had somebody who was really committed to making sure that I was getting something out of that internship. Let's talk about graduation. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very anxious time for yes. a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what was going through your head? What were your sentiments? Were you anxious yourself? I and mean, you had tons of experience. Were you yeah. feeling yeah. good? Like I was I was nervous because I the, the the thing with NYU is like you have there's such a wide range of people that you're going to school with. So I had friends who like had had jobs lined up for like six months. Um because like if you like intern in finance or something and you probably get you've probably gotten an offer before you've graduated. So you're all set up. So that gave me some anxiety for sure. But I basically did what I was talking about earlier. I like cold emailed everyone I had ever interned <laughs> with and just said, I'm graduating soon. Like, can we get coffee? Can I buy you a coffee? Let's talk. I have always been very hesitant to ask things of people. And it feels very weird, especially when you're like, you know, 20 years old, 21 years old, and you are cold emailing people that you haven't talked to and like, two years that you interned for saying, hey, I just graduated. Like, can we get coffee? Like, do you know anything? It, it feels like a very big and like uncomfortable ask. You're like, oh, they probably don't care. Like they've had all these interns. Like, who what knows? What do I have to offer Right, them? exactly. Yeah. So that was like something that I had to overcome. But I have seen interns who I think approach it in a way that's much more natural than I ever did. And I think that's so much smarter. Like 
Because at the end of the day, what it really is, is it's not about, it shouldn't be about treating it like a business transaction, just like treat it as like a human interaction. Like you're getting to know these people, you're interested in what they do. And like these people are generally inherently very nice people. Like if you want to get a coffee and ask them, like, please talk to me about yourself for half an hour. It's like a very, like generally a pretty easy, a pretty easy yes. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And luckily, like I worked with such great people and I got very lucky in that as I was about to graduate, the assistant of the publisher I had first interned for at Perigee was leaving. So they were like, well come in and interview. We would actually need you to start May 1st. And my graduation was like late May, but come in and interview. Like, let's just talk. And they were very kind in that they let me. So I I eventually got that job. They were very kind in that they let me start before I graduated part time. So I actually took a day off to graduate, (laughs) started full time the day after graduation. She was working at Penguin Random House as an editorial assistant. She told us that the first two years of these entry level positions are getting a lay of the land. So you need to understand, like, there's so many different departments and people that are involved in creating a book. Like, you are—so I was assisting the publisher of the imprint, so he ran the imprint, basically. And so in in addition to kind of helping him manage his his books and making sure, like, paperwork was filled out correctly and, like, going to the right place, I was also, like, taking notes in meetings and um, making sure that, like, different departments had the information they needed— or if he needed to have like a meeting with a lot of department heads, I would help schedule that. And all of that requires a lot of like institutional like office knowledge that you don't have going in about like how systems work and who you should email when you have different questions. And so walk before you can run kind of thing. And then over time, like probably within like the f- again, I lucked out and then I had a great boss who was like actively trying to help grow my editorial skills so in addition to like I would read submissions for him and that was kind of like your first my first kind of steps into like the editorial process I would say like towards the end of the first year and into the second year he would have me read manuscripts that he had already acquired and either give him just like general feedback on what I thought just from a first read or he had me do a first edit on a manuscript, and he gave me feedback on that. And that feedback was that I needed to be meaner. (laughs) Not necessarily meaner, but he said I was too kind, and, like, you know, he saw places where I could have made suggestions that I did not, basically. So he said I shouldn't be afraid of providing feedback, basically. And so that's, that's something that you have to learn over time is, you know, what is something that is the author's voice, it's their choice, and you should let them run with it versus... You know, this ultimately is not going to make for a great reading experience. Let's try and tweak this. But obviously I didn't have that knowledge. It was my first kind of like cold read of a manuscript. And so he he kind of like pushed me more in that direction. And that was that first push. After two years in that role, she was promoted to an assistant editor where she line edited, developed and managed a list of 10 plus adult nonfiction books each year with a focus on self-help from fresh millennial voices and visual books by inspiring young creatives. So that's kind of like your next step up where you have figured out like you're kind of like a pro at the admin stuff and you're working on developing your editorial skills more. So you're kind of like prepping for that in your second year of being an editorial assistant. And when you hit assistant editor, the goal is to really like keep building on that. So you're doing admin stuff, but because it's more kind of 
it's kind of muscle memory by that point. You're able to do more reading of submissions with editors or help them more with their editorial work, which in turn helps you learn. Along with building her editorial skills in this role, Amanda was collaborating more with marketing, publicity, sales, design, art, managing editorial, and production departments to manage product budgets, timely publication schedules, and effective marketing campaigns. Amanda also started taking on freelance projects for a website called Manuscript, where writers can find agents and or editors. She'll do 10 to 15 minute calls with writers where they can ask her questions about publishing, or sometimes she'll even give her feedback on the very short excerpts the authors send her. And then you transitioned into where you are now at Scholastic as an associate editor. Mm -hmm. Why did you want to pivot from adult to young adult kid children? Yeah, I... I think part of me, I I kind of started to outgrow the role I was in at Penguin, um, which I think is very common. Like you're an assistant and you start doing more. And I think also as I was developing my own editorial taste, I realized my tastes were trending younger. You know, all the books that I was most excited about were people who are like closer to my age, people who are in their 20s writing for people who are like also in their 20s. And I also, I think, wanted to do a wider range of nonfiction. So narrative and memoir and stuff and history. And that's just not what our imprint did. And the job at Scholastic just kind of popped up as I was looking to make a change. I Again, someone I happen to know knew that my current boss was looking, and so she threw my name in the running, and it worked out. So you heard Amanda talk about the importance of learning the lay of the land in a publishing house. Listen to her share the publishing process from start to finish for every book. She told us it takes about 12 to 18 months. So when I get a submission, say that I read it within a month, which... Hopefully I do. (laughs) Um, And I like it. Then I'll send it to our book clubs and book fairs for their opinions. And that usually takes about two weeks for them to like everyone to review it and give their feedback. If they're on board, then I will run a profit and loss statement. So that's like where we kind of figure out like financially, is this something that we can feasibly do just based on like the cost of creating the book and all of that and what we're paying the author and things like that. And that gets reviewed by someone in our planning department. And then I prepare a memo for our acquisitions group. And those we submit about a week before an acquisitions meeting. And our acquisitions meetings are on Thursday morning. So I would submit that by like Friday at noon, pretty much every week. And so that meeting is like basically all the heads of sales and marketing and publicity. We have like our head of finance in that room, as well as our president and my publisher. And you pitch the book to them, you ask if they have feedback, and sometimes they say, you know, like, we haven't been able to sell books like this successfully, so maybe don't. Or, you know, we really love this, but maybe like adjust this number here or something like that. And other times they just say yes, enthusiastically, and that's the best. Um, (laughs) And so by that point, it's been probably like, another month and then we do contract negotiations. So I make an offer to the agent, they discuss with the author, we go back and forth. And usually this part is relatively quick. So that might be like a few days or something that goes to our contracts department, assuming everyone's in agreement. And while they're drafting the contract, the author starts working. And depending on where they are and like how long the manuscript is, they could write for like 
six more months and then deliver the manuscript. Sometimes it's shorter, sometimes it's longer. Will they already have the manuscript sometimes at this point? Sometimes, but not most of the time with nonfiction because... It's just a know, lot of work. Yeah, to... there's more research that will start doing that. And so say it's been like, well, we can say it's six months. Um, so at that point, it's been eight months. I get the manuscript. And then our editorial back and forth takes maybe like two or three months. So now we're at 11 months. <laughs> Finally goes to copy editing and all of that. And then that's where like it becomes a little bit more fluid depending on like Sometimes we decide to publish a book at a certain time because we think that it'll sell better at that time. So if you're doing something that's like really illustrated that like someone is probably going to want to give as a gift, then like you might do that in the fall in like October, November, because that's around when people are going to start like buying their gifts for Christmas and stuff like that. My like hauntings book we're publishing in the summer because, you know, our sales team was thinking, well, that would be great for like creepy campfire stories kind of time. So it kind of varies, but generally my, like, average time from, like, acquisition to publication is, like, between 12 and 18 months. So it takes a while. Throughout all of this experience, looking back over your career, 18-year-old self, what would you tell yourself? I think I would tell myself to be less afraid to ask questions. And I think the number one thing that I wish someone had told me was that, like, this doesn't have to be what you do forever, even though, like, I'm very happy to do it forever. For a long time, and I think it's very easy to fall into this, is, like, my job was, like, my identity. And it felt like if I even considered doing something else, that was, like, a failure. And that was, like, something I could not do. And I think especially now and as I'm meeting people who've been in the industry forever or, like, even other industries, the people who have the most interesting experience and, like, the coolest jobs, they seem to have been open to trying things that did not necessarily seem like a linear step. You know, they... they took opportunities that were given to them because they were excited about them and that was it. So for me, it was like I like feel like changing into children's publishing even felt like a huge step and a huge change that I didn't think that was possible. And suddenly like I was given this opportunity and it happened. So it was it is about like not, you know, hemming yourself into like I have to do this forever. This is the only thing I'm ever going to do. And if I decide to do something else or I decide to, like, change very slightly, then I, like, am not good enough or, like, I failed or something like that. That wraps up part two in the Publish Your Passion series. Huge thanks to Amanda Shee for sharing her wisdom throughout this experience, A Day in the Life series. If you haven't already, be sure to listen to part one in this series to experience a day in the life of an associate editor at Scholastic. So they say you can't get a job without experience, but need experience to get the job. But luckily, we have quite the experience. You can join our team and experience a day in the life of the jobs you want by applying to be a student editor. Regardless of your major or amount of experience, this is the perfect stepping stone into any internship or career. Find more info and sign up at xadiddle.com slash students. That's xadiddle.com slash students. 
Thanks for listening. Head over to exadiddle.com. That's X-A-D-I-T-L.com. There you can find the show notes for this series and more A Day in the Life articles. And you can get to know us and our guests more by joining our communities on social media. Follow at xadiddle on Instagram and on LinkedIn by searching for Krista Bow and Matt with one T Poe. If you learned something in this episode, please take some time to help our mission by leaving a positive rating and review of the show. Each week, we bring you a new interview series with guests from different jobs and different industries. In each series, we'll live a specific day in the life, hour by hour, and experience their career journey. So don't forget to subscribe.